Okay, we have finished our Easter things and all the little in-between things that we shoved in, which I hope was helpful. It's helpful to me to figure out the little details that go along with the big details, so I hope they were helpful to you. I'm thinking on a new topic that I'm going to discuss for the next few weeks, and I'm calling it out of focus. It's got nothing to do with my eye. <laughs> well, maybe it does. But uh, I've been seeing things on the television sometimes because I was limited. I couldn't go run around the block and all that for a little while. So I watch Christian TV. At least I start to. I very seldom finish it. But I start to. And I want to talk about out of focus what I think are modern misdirections that the church are using where they are out of focus from what the church is supposed to be. And they are choosing certain topics and it's very much a society nowadays that uh, wants to be trendy. They want to be trendy and follow certain trends. And uh, I don't like trends. <laughs> uh, it's pretty clear. There's a Bible here. We can talk about it and, and read it and study it uh, for our whole lives and not finish it. And so uh, there's plenty for us to focus on. And when we talk about Jesus, certainly his death and resurrection, the main events in history are there for us to look at. But the church has uh, taken up what I think are popular uh, trendy things and they're talking a lot about these things and they can really lead people away from where God wants them to be. And so I'm going to take some of these modern ideas over the next month or so and discuss them. <coughs> and I, why I think that they mislead people and uh, so forth. And I'm going to start today with healing. And talk about healing. See if we can come to some thought as to the, the misdirection that's out there is uh, there's people who say, well, come to our service and you'll get healed. And uh, <laughs> I had a friend of mine, and there was one guy who was big in that in, in over the years, and he came to Buffalo. And a friend of mine that I knew said, I went up to the service in Buffalo to see what the guy was doing. And so he said, the guy came in the back door with his little entourage, and he's walking down through the people in the main aisle, and he's saying, why are you here today? And the fellow would say, well, I got a problem with my leg. Or the next one, I got a problem with whatever. And he said they, he would heal them right there on the spot, go over, what about you? <clears throat> and so he came to one guy, and the guy said, well, why are you here today? He said, because you didn't heal me the last time, so I came back this time. <laughs> Which I thought was an interesting comment. 
uh, <laughs> uh, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of you know what happens sometimes. And I did get a letter from a friend of mine, and he said we're praying for you, like so many of you have sent nice letters and cards, and said we're praying for you, and we really appreciate that. And so. One friend of mine said, we're praying for you, so why don't you get with it and claim your healing? Can you claim a healing? All right, let's uh, claim a healing. And that's the general uh, attitude out there. There are people all through the Christian world uh, who say uh, they're in here for healing, and let's talk about whatever you need to get healed, they'll get it healed. And of course, if we go into the Bible, the healing comes mainly in the ministry of Jesus Christ. He walked around, he healed everything. Now, I think we have to look at that a little different because Jesus had God's ability, being God, he had the ability to create. And there's some of the healings are nothing but a new creation, physical creation. There's a man born blind. His eyes never worked. And Jesus said, there, now your eyes work. How did he do it? Well, he had to create new eyes right in the spot. And the woman, one of the most fascinating to me is the woman who said was bent over and came walking in a church like that. And he said, stand up. And she stood up. How did that happen? You know, her bones were all misformed. And I've knew, known people like this in my life where their bones are misformed. And they're like this because their bones are, are all misformed. And if Jesus told her to stand up, he recreated new bones right there, just like that. And so his amazing power, and some people say, there's a very intelligent fellow who in the past talked about Jesus, and he said, you know, what Jesus did, he put healing in the human body. That is, we all have within our body the ability to heal. We get a cut, it heals. You do things and it heals. And doctors cut us, sew us up, they don't heal us. The body heals. And so God put in the body the ability to heal and he says I think when Jesus came along he just speeded up the process like by a hundred million times <laughs> made your body go whoosh there and I mean there's, there's no way you can figure it out it's absolutely astounding and so Jesus healed anybody of anything nothing he was ever unsuccessful at healing all right <clears throat> and then we come to the apostles and they start to do it, and Peter uh, walks up to the man and says, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Can't walk. He did. He got up and walked. And so uh, it said eventually, in the book of Acts, that as Peter walked through a crowd, if his shadow fell on you, you got healed. That's pretty cool. <laughs> pretty amazing. All right. And so the Bible says that there were gifts. 1 Corinthians, we're going to look at a few verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse number 
1 Corinthians 12. And he says that there are gifts here of healing. Verse 28, God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, and after that miracles, then gifts of healing helps government's diversity of tongues. And so he said that God in the beginning gave gifts to people like Peter that they could heal. A special gifts and God said, I'm give you that gift and you can heal with it, all right? And so that happened. And we say, well, okay, that's good, all right? What about it? How does God work today? Is there ways that God works? How do we think about healing today? Well, there's a lot of the healing in the Bible. If you look at 1 Peter 2, you want to turn there, 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse number 24, he's talking about Christ. Peter says, Who in his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead unto sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. And so, uh, what he's talking about being healed from is sin. Sin is a disease. Sin is a disease of the soul, and that primarily Christ came to heal the disease of our soul, which is sin, and it is more destructive than anything you could ever have physically. All right, sin is a disease in the soul. And so a lot of times when he says, like right here, by his stripes you are healed, well, healed from what? Healed from the disease of sin. So a lot of times in the Bible when you talk about healing, you're talking about uh, the disease of sin. Now, there are some things in the Bible that I think are helpful to us. We look at uh, uh, Proverbs 16. Proverbs Proverbs chapter 16. <coughs> and I'm looking at verse number 24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. And so he tells us here in Proverbs that there are some things that cause stress in life. And that stress is a very powerful agent in our lives to make us sick. And so he says there's a stress relief from stress. And he says one of the things is kind words. You have pleasant words. You don't get angry with people. You don't lose your temper. You don't shoot off your opinion all the time. Uh, it'll make life so much less stressful. And he says, you'll find that a very healthy way of living. He says, so pleasant words are very much a part of a healthy lifestyle. And the Bible will uh, confirm that many times. And back in Proverbs chapter 3, it tells us another thing. 
Proverbs 3, verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bone. Here's another way to keep from stress. Don't be wise in your own eyes or learn to be humble. If you're humble, if you walk around proud all the time, proud of who you are, that's a very stressful way to live. Pride is extremely stressful. He said, humility looks at itself and says, it's okay, I'm nobody special, it's okay. And so it helps reduce stress. And he says that these things are good for the body, good for the, the health of our bodies, pleasant words, humble spirit, those are the things that help make us less stressful, more healthy. Now, I want to show you one in Third John. Third John. Because this one is famous. <coughs> made famous by one of these characters who sells miracle spring water. Can't even think of his name. <laughs> but he sells miracle spring water. This verse pops up on a TV screen. And then he says, I'm waiting for you. I got this miracle spring water. And boy, you're going to feel healthy after you drink this miracle spring water. Okay? And this is the verse that he puts on. And I, when I read it, I think to myself, you missed the point, my friend. Uh, 3 John, verse number 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prosper. <laughs> he missed that part. All right, what does he mean? Well, John says, when you're growing as a Christian, when you're developing spiritual standards, and you're getting your life all in order, when your soul prospers, then he says the rest of you will prosper. All right, so... Is another thing towards health has to do with growing up as a Christian. Growing up. Learning to follow Jesus. Learning to do the things he asks you to do. And he so, you know, it's not drink my miracle spring water and you'll feel great. No, that's not it at all. And he says, let your soul develop its spiritual powers, learn to know God better, and he said, then that's going to help you to feel better. All right? And so those are uh, things that we talk about, the Bible talks about, has to do with health. And remember what God said, one of his names was, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Well, within our bodies, he has put the ability to heal in our body. And uh, doctors don't have it. Uh, it's there. God put it there. And maybe Jesus speeded it up. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Uh, but Jesus could heal. These people could heal. But what about nowadays? Are there people out there that can heal? All right. That's the question. Uh, was there ever anybody that wasn't healed? Well, you remember the one guy used to be on TV. He'd come up. And they'd say, this young boy is deaf in his left ear. 
So he'd say, heal in the name of Jesus Christ. And he'd walk up to him and go, baby! And he'd say, now answer. Say, baby. Because his right ear was never bad anyway. Come on, you know. You know, if you're going to play the game, don't do that. You know, and he did that over and over. I must have seen it a thousand times on TV. You go up to somebody's deaf in one ear. Baby. The kid say, baby. Well, sure. You know, plug his other ear and then try it. But, you know, so when things like that happen, it makes us very suspicious. We look at it and say, come on. Jesus didn't do that. All right, that's not what Jesus did. That's not what the apostles did. And so I think out there is a tendency to say, well, all right, let's, you know, we're going to just claim our healing and we'll be all set. Second Corinthians now, Second Corinthians chapter number 12. Second Corinthians chapter number 12. Is there an example in the Bible? And I was interested because I've been working on these thoughts. And I go through Paul's letters. And if you understand how the Bible is written, you understand that Jesus came and the apostles came. And Jesus taught the apostles. And the apostles took the teaching of Jesus and expanded it out so that we could know more from it. And a lot of Jesus' teaching is very uh, uh, seed-like. And so people like Peter and John and uh, particularly the Apostle Paul uh, would say, well, here's what he meant and expand it out. <clears throat> and when you read through all, the, God, all the, the letters of Paul, there's not much about healing. There's not much. It wasn't a main theme of his. Matter of fact, he barely spoke of it. But here he did. And so let's take a look and see what he says. First, 2 Corinthians 12, uh, verse number 7. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And so he said, God took me and gave me, showed me things that nobody ever seen. Took me up to the third heaven. Everybody goes, where, where was that? I can't even tell you. He said, I can't even tell you what I saw <laughs> when I was up there. So here's a man who really got information from God. But he said he had a thorn in the flesh. That he's got something wrong with him. And strangely enough, we think that it was his eyes. It's something wrong with his eyes. Now, why do we think that? Well, there's two reasons that are given. Uh, one, he wrote the book of Galatians, and he was hot under the collar. He's not going to wait for somebody to come and dictate. He's going to write it himself because he wants to get that message out. And so he writes, and at the end of his writings, he said, look at how big letters I use when I write. Now, why would he use big letters? Because he can't see little ones. You know what that means? Yeah, I know what that is. You say, well, can't see that. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, there you go. He didn't have bifocals, Paul, okay? <laughs> and so uh, he couldn't see 
clearly. And when he actually wrote himself, which he usually didn't, but in Galatians he did, he said, I had to use great big letters because he had bad eyesight. And he tells the people in Corinth, he says to them, when I was there with you, if you could have, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. Now, he didn't say that because he had a sore back, okay? He's got bad eyes, and they say, man, it would be so nice if you could see better, Paul. I'd love to give you my eyes. He said, no, it's okay. So he said this, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. He said, so that I wouldn't get to be a big hot shot. <laughs> Verse 8, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. So he said, I went to God. This is the apostle Paul. He goes and prays to God. I can't see. I could really use my eyes. No. Nope. He goes the second time. Lord, I could really use my eyes. Can you heal me in my eyes? No. Nope. And then he said, I went three times. It's kind of a mystery to him. I went three times and I asked the Lord. And here's what he said, verse 9. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So God said to him, I want you to be weak in some way. And the way I've chosen is this thorn in your flesh, this disease you have in your eyes. I've chosen that to be the way. And so that uh, when they look at you, they say, man, did he preach? But I don't know how he can do it because he's got them bad eyes. It must be God. God must be using him and helping him in his weakness. And so God does. And I think it's a very wise thing that when something happens to us, we say, God, you know, I am weak, but thou art strong, right? I am weak, but thou art strong. I can use all the help I can get. We sang today, tell me the old, old story of unseen things about Jesus and his glory, Jesus and his love. Tell me the story as to her. I am weak. Weary, helpless, and defiled. I can use all the help I can get, and so that we don't get to be a smarty pants and think we got the world by the tail. God allows things to come into our lives so that if we're ever going to do any good for God, it's very clear my grace is sufficient. I did it. I'm the one that made it work. And I just used a weak vessel to do it. And so that is a very powerful argument about healing. And when somebody says, claim your healing, how do I know that God doesn't want to say to me, I want to use your weakness? It's okay. I can use you when you're weak. And I'd much rather be used than be strong. I'd much rather be used by God than to say, ah, look at me, I'm Superman. Now, I gotta say, I gotta say, I'm a little blurry, okay? I'm a little blurry, and uh, sometimes when I look down, I, these fool glasses slide down, I say, wait a minute, where'd they go? Because they're down here, you know? <laughs> 
My strength, he says, is made perfect in weakness. So we have this thing in the Bible by the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he said, you know, I wanted to be healed. And God said, no, I like you better the way you are. I can use you more the way you are. And so that in your weakness, God can be strong. And so that's a powerful argument. And that certainly occurs to me regularly that in my weakness, God can be strong. Good. And I'm okay. See, it doesn't matter then. Now, there's another one I want to look at because these people will say, well, you mean God wants to make us all? No, sometimes God does heal people. We have prayed for people here and they get better. There are people in heaven today today who came to this church and I'm thinking of Wally that built our water wheel. Old Wally down there. His son was in a motorcycle accident and was close to death. And he showed up in church, sat right back there and raised his hand at prayer time and he said, my son was in a motorcycle accident and just like to see if you people would pray. So we prayed for his son. We prayed every week for his son. And his son recovered and got better. And he said to me, I believe with all my heart. Because we came here when he was dying and you guys prayed for him and he got better. And his wife got sick and he came to me, called me up to come over to my house. I went over to his house and said, I want you to pray for my wife. I said, why? Because I want the same thing to happen to her as happened to my son. So pray for my wife. So I prayed for his wife and she got better. So it's God who can do things and God will choose what he wants. And to some people like Paul, he said, I'm not going to guarantee your healing. I got more use for you the way you are. All right. So we do have, I think, one of the better explanations given in the book of Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. And the Apostle Paul is writing to the people of Philippi. And he said, I had a friend. And his name was Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus was bringing to me some money that you gave him to help me. And so he was traveling. And in those days, you know, it wasn't like we'd get in our car and go. <laughs> you know, if you got to go from Greece over to Rome or wherever, it's a major project. You're going to take, you're going to walk, you're going to ride a donkey, you're going to get in a ship. Who knows what can happen? And so <clears throat> Epaphroditus is coming. So verse 25 of Philippians 2. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, companion and fellow labor and fellow soldier and your messenger that, and he that ministered to my wants. Or you sent him to me with money. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because you heard that he'd been sick. He got sick in this trip. And when he gets to Paul he's in rough shape. 
for indeed he was sick nigh unto death. So he took the money from Philippi to Paul, and by the time he gets there, he's so sick, he's almost ready to die. But God had mercy on him, not on him only, but on me also, that I, lest I should have sorrow after sorrow. So, he says, here's what happened. Epaphroditus got really, really sick. But God had mercy on him. And he survived it. And I think that if I was going to say, somebody said to me, claim your healing, I'll say, I'm going to leave it up to God. He will have mercy on who he will have mercy. He may be like Paul wanting you to serve him in weakness, and that may be a reason here. But the point is, when we pray to God, we say, God, help them. God, help them. Bring their health back. Restore their health. Put them back together. And God says, if I do, I do. And if I don't, I don't. If I do, it's merciful, my choice. And so I think that when we say we're going to claim a healing, everybody's got the gift of healing, it may happen. Somebody may come along and pray for you and you get better. How'd that happen? From the guy's prayers? No, it came from God. He's the one that decided and came in and healed. And that's what happened with Epaphroditus. Paul said he's almost died. By the time he got here, he could barely function. But he recovered. Why? Because God had mercy on him. And so I think when we talk about healing, uh, the modern misdirected church says, you claim it. By his stripes we are healed. You got it. Well, I think by his stripes we are healed, and all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him what? The iniquity of us all. We're healed from the d- disease of sin. And that's a guarantee. I can guarantee that one. I can guarantee you that God will always heal you from the disease of sin. Now, good attitudes, kind words, humble attitude, growing in Christ will also be helpful as it reduces the stress in life. But sometimes God says, I'm going to send you this and you're going to deal with it. So deal with it. Let me take care of you. And we just say, God, it's in your hand. God, it's in your hand. And we give it to him and he decides, not us. And so I think that claiming healing is like to push God around a little and say, you give me, give me that. I'm claiming it, I want it. I never talk to God that way. (laughs) There was a wise old fellow, I heard him preach, and he said, one thing you never do is argue with God. Don't do it. God does something in your life. Don't argue. It's not what I wanted. Let it be. Let him use it the way he wants to. And know that healing very often comes. He's already put it in our body. 
And if you think about it, you got healed from everything except for the one that took you to heaven. Right? You get healed from everything that's wrong with you except for the one that takes you to heaven. So you're going to argue with God about that? Don't you be taking me to heaven, no. No, when he says, Eric, you come on. I say, let's go. I'm with you. Let's go. All right? The last one gets me. I'll take it. I'll take it. So his mercy is full all around us. And in that merciful flow is healing by his choice. And so the churches are going to stand up and I think out of focus tell everybody, oh, you're going to be healed. That may not be God's plan. may not be God's plan at all. So you better watch out, you know, and not get out of focus. Why does they do that? Because some people desperately want it. They desperately want to be healed. I get it. I get it. I wished I could have changed some things, but I couldn't. There's a disease in my family that comes to people. My mother died of it, my sister died of it, my brother died of it, and everybody said, you're next. (laughs) By the mercy of God, I don't have it. Not yet. By the mercy of God. Maybe later on they'll say, okay, your time, I'll give it to you, and I'll be gone. But so right now I'm resting on the mercy of God, trusting Him, leaving it up to Him. And so I think when a church comes along and says, "Yeah, you can have this healing. All you got to do is claim it," uh, it's not life, is it? Life is not like that. And He wants us to deal with life the way it comes. And so, yeah. You know, Jesus healed a lot of eyes. Healed a lot of eyes. It's a wonderful thought. I'm going to trust him with mine. Amen. And you do the same. Trust him with whatever comes into your life. He'll take care of it. He's full of mercy. We'll go on over the next two weeks to look at the desire for money and some of the other desires that are commonly used as church things. Thank you.